So may I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's very good to be together today, physically, if not, uh, uh, virtually, if not uh, physically, uh, for this very special service. Uh, I'm uh, trying my best to picture all of you in your own homes, uh, worshipping, and also uh, picture and look forward to the day when we can be together again uh, in church physically and enjoy one another's company. Uh, but very good to be together virtually for this special service. And at the beginning of what we pray will be a long and fruitful period in the ministry of St. Aldates. And I want to begin uh, by offering thanks and appreciation uh, uh, on all our behalf uh, to the staff teams and the church wardens for their ministry and leadership uh, during the vacancy, uh, but especially and above all to Mark Brickman, who served as acting rector through this period. I know how much Mark's ministry has been appreciated through this season. I also know what some of the challenges have been, uh, not least of the COVID pandemic. And it's been good for me to tune into St. Aldate's worship from time to time, as I've done, uh, and see the creativity and the high quality of worship and care which has been offered and which has been inspirational to me and I know to many people. So Mark, huge thanks to you and to those who've worked with you in these months. You are loved and appreciated with Jen and I know a key part of the team going forward. Thank you. And as I thank Mark, I want to give thanks for the whole of St. Aldate's, for your ministry to the city and more widely through the pandemic, for the leadership and ministry of Charlie and Anita and all those who've gone before them, that long line of 58 rectors, uh, all who've contributed to the long and remarkable story of this church. And my second word is, of course, welcome to Stephen and to Beth and to their family. It's great you're here. It will feel daunting. It will feel a whole big new adventure. Please know that you're held in our love and prayers as a family as you make this new beginning. And we are praying that you will quickly feel at home and settled in Oxford, and that all of you as a family will flourish in this place. Uh, I have a, a small gift for you and your family, uh, which is a box of flapjack, which I made on Friday. Uh, I, Mark tried to take it away at the beginning, but actually uh, it's for the new rector. Uh, uh, I'm sorry I'm not able to take it around and give it to the girls personally. Uh, please don't uh, judge the bishop entirely by his cooking, uh, but I hope that the girls are able to enjoy it. Uh, when I was first a bishop in Sheffield, I used quite regularly to make biscuits and take them with me uh, to parishes in the diocese when I visited on Sundays to share them uh, over coffee after church. Remember when we used to do that uh, together. Uh, and all went well until I happened to glance at a parish magazine in a church I'd visited recently. And the vicar had written, uh, it was good to welcome Bishop Stephen to our Sunday service last month, and we all enjoyed and appreciated his sermon, which is more than can be said for his biscuits. <laughs> so be warned. 
Well, there can be few richer or uh, better passages to set at the beginning of a new ministry than Isaiah 63 and Philippians 2, uh, which we've just heard read. It's vital for every church to return in key moments to the very core, to the heart of uh, Christian faith and ministry, and both readings uh, help us to do exactly that. Isaiah 61, quoted by Jesus himself in his manifesto in the synagogue in Nazareth, Isaiah 61 sets the wide horizon of God's mission in which we share. To bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to comfort all who mourn. We are called to be a church which faces outwards, and especially so in this season. Our priority is this hurting world we're called to serve. And the Lord has sent his spirit and anointed his church for ministry so that we can serve and minister God's grace to those around us who need God's love. But if Isaiah 61 sets the edge and the horizon of God's mission, Philippians 2 takes us to the very center, to the place where we find our inspiration, our life, our compass, our true north. We are in the coming months and years facing many uncertainties, perhaps many choices and challenges. What is it that will inspire us and guide us through this season? As you will know from your own reading of Philippians and indeed your recent sermon series, Paul is facing his own mortality as he writes this letter. And Philippians has a very tender quality as a pastor writes to a church he knows and loves personally what is possibly his final word to them. The words on which they will rest their future life, and indeed though Paul wasn't to know this, words which will inspire the church for thousands of years in every place. The church in Philippi is evidently not a perfect church. There is rivalry and disagreement and quarreling aplenty to distract them from God's mission as set out in Isaiah 61. So Paul offers them a lens through which to see their life and a center to inspire them. And this is the center that I want to set before you today and which this letter gives to us. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. This is our whole life's work. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. About 12 or 13 years ago, I was living and working in Oxford and I had a phone call from someone who wanted me to come and give a talk, in this case to the Diocese of Portsmouth. Uh, 
for a biggish conference they were holding. My role at the time was to encourage new congregations across the Church of England, church planting, and fresh expressions of church. And I thought at first that they wanted me to talk about that. Uh, no, 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 the man said. We don't want your normal fresh expressions talk. Uh, he'd obviously heard it. Uh, we, we want you to come and do something different. Come and tell us your vision for the Church of England over the next 25 years. What kind of church do you think God is calling us to be? What stirs your heart? What will make you get out of bed in the morning? I don't know how you would have responded to that invitation. But for me, it was really interesting and challenging, and it made me think very hard. I was grateful I'd had the invitation several months in advance. I was around 50 at the time, and so I could see ahead uh, probably 25 years. Uh, what did I want the Church of England to be and to become, however imperfectly? What do you want God to do in this place, in this next decade or two decades? The more I thought, the more it seemed an important question, not least in terms of our two readings. For the last generation and more, because of the place we've been in our history and our relationship with our society, many local churches and dioceses and our church nationally have tried to define our vision by, as it were, marking the goal or the horizon or the task more clearly. We've said things like we want to be a bigger church or a church with more young people or a church which plants new churches or a church which makes more disciples or serves the poor or protects the environment. All of those things and more are excellent and it's helpful to have clear goals. But we focused on the Isaiah 61 dimension of our readings on marking the horizon more clearly. But that isn't where Paul goes in Philippians when he defines the very center of God's vision for the church, in particularly a time of challenge and change for them. And I've noticed that one of the very challenging things about gearing the life of the church around this kind of vision on the horizons is that we quickly become very stretched and tired. All of the energy and focus is on giving out and very little on taking in and receiving. So my answer in, in that talk, and since, really, has not been to put God's mission at the center, however well-defined, as the goal of our vision. I don't think it's enough by itself. The vision I want to offer, and which St. Audits has already, I believe,
is to put Christ in the center. This is to be our goal. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. We're called to be a more Christ-like church in our character as disciples and in our communities. Now that will, of course, include all of those marks of mission. But it means that we are called to live from the center, not from the edge. In that rhythm of discipleship which Jesus models and to which Jesus calls us, of coming together to be with him and being sent out. We understand the mind of Christ, of course, through reading and studying the Gospels, both the action and teaching of Jesus in his ministry and through our reflection on Christ's death and resurrection as we have been walking through Holy Week and Easter doing just that. For our Diocese of Oxford and St. Aldate's in recent years, the Beatitudes in Matthew have been particularly vital and important. These eight beautiful qualities at the heart of your rule of life capture the mind of Christ and the mind that is to be in us. They also lie beneath the vision of our diocese to be a more Christ-like church for the sake of God's world, more contemplative, more compassionate, and more courageous. But Philippians 2 adds a new and richer dimension still. For Paul is doing even more here than looking back to Jesus' teaching and ministry which we have described in the Gospels. In the beautiful hymn to Christ, Paul takes us to the heart of Christ's very nature, to the eternal Son of God, the logos, the word that John will use. And Paul discovers in the heart of God's own self the qualities of humility, of self-emptying, of incarnation, of obedience, of the abandonment of power and love for the sake of the other. This is the mind of Christ, the Jesus of the Gospels and the Jesus Christ who is the eternal word of God and reveals God's mind. Humility and love. Humility and love. And this is the mind we are to have, not only to help us get on better, but to be the human beings and the community God calls us to become. This is a new vision for what it means to be human and to live a flourishing human life. Humility and love. For we are called 
to be the very body of Christ in the world. For the last year in the midst of all of the COVID crisis, the Church of England as a whole has been seeking God for fresh vision to guide our life over the next decade. And it's a project in which I've been invited to share. I'm deeply, deeply, deeply thankful that its central outcome has not been a fresh list of tasks, particularly at the present time when there's so much uncertainty and rebuilding to be done. Instead, the central outcome has been to set Christ in the center. Our most fundamental aim as the Church of England over the next decade is to become Jesus Christ-centered and Jesus Christ-shaped. To connect again more deeply with our Lord and Savior. To let the same mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus. As we prayed and listened corporately as a church, three qualities emerged which are to be at the heart of that vision and which I want to commend to St. Aldate's today at the beginning of this new chapter. They flow from Philippians 2 and they seem deeply appropriate at this moment in the life of our world. We believe that we are called to be a church which is simpler, humbler, and bolder. Simpler, humbler, and bolder in all of our life together. To take these aspects of the mind of Christ which Paul highlights and set them at the heart of every community in the nation. Simplicity, humility, boldness. You will face many questions as Stephen comes as rector and as we emerge together from the COVID crisis and as we discover how the world is and how we are, for we do not yet know. There is always, at the beginning of a new ministry, a process of the knitting together of hearts, which begins with very simple, humble, and bold things. For it takes courage and humility to trust and get to know someone new and a new context for ministry. But as you embark on that journey today, it's this vision and these qualities that I want to flag to work with and wrestle with in the coming months. To set our understanding of Jesus Christ at the heart of our vision for the church. To recall one another to the mind of Christ and especially to humility, simplicity 
and boldness in all that we and you undertake together. Invite the band to come back now. And Stephen, may God bless you richly in your ministry here. We look forward, I look forward so much to working with you. You bring huge gifts and a clear sense of God's call. And we look forward to getting to know you as the wider diocese. We thank God for St. Aldate's and the huge contribution the church here makes to the life of the child, church across the world and in this diocese. And we pray together that we may set the mind of Christ as our vision for the church to be simpler, humbler, and bolder now and in all the years to come. Amen.